Welcome into another edition of Tampa 2. Casey Phillips here with staff writer Bree Dix, and we are here to break down that Texans game, look ahead to the Titans game. One of those, I think, is going to be a little bit more fun than the other one. Yes, I would agree. (laughs) Yeah, thankfully, again, it's Friday. We've had some days to process, some days to decompress after that loss. Uh, Emotional for all the players, (laughs) coaches, fans alike. Um, Right. But I do feel like there are going to be some really interesting takeaways from both sides of the ball for it. Let's start with the offensive side because that is a – a little bit happier place yes. to start at this point. And, and I just feel like there were so many encouraging signs mm-hmm. from that side of the ball. Yeah, well, offensively, they had the best scoring output they've had throughout the 2023 season, 37 points. And I think when with the allocation of resources to Mike Evans, to Chris Godwin, you really saw Rashad White, K. Dalton, both had two touchdowns, had a big impact in the game. And also just the, the strides that the run game made you were able to kind of dial up some more of the stretch plays, the bootlegs with Baker Mayfield kind of accentuating his skill set. And just Rashad, the impact he's had in the passing game, you know, kind of making that initial guy miss, but also just in the run game, I think you saw more of the vision, the patience, and the ability to hit the hole um, was really encouraging to see. And then also just Kate Auten kind of able to exploit the short to intermediate area of the field down the seam, um, and then you had Mike Evans, who had the incredible 53-yard catch and run on the go route where he just absolutely obliterated the DB, um, just got the push. Um, so I think you're starting to see kind of everything work together. And as Dave Canales has said all season, they didn't want to sacrifice where they're heading for for now. Mm-hmm. You know, they you're going to continue running the ball. You're going to continue whether it's just getting the dirty for 5 yards. They're going to keep at it because if you try and simplify, you change all of these things, well then the defense is kind of able to catch on to that. So they're going to keep it the way it's at and you're starting to see the positive signs and everything kind of come to fruition and players just also I think reacting quicker and the faster play is kind of what you saw against the Texans offensively. Yeah, you knew you were going to have some growing pains offensively, right? You had an entirely reshuffled offensive line. You had a new coordinator, you had a new quarterback. Right. Like there was just a lot that was going to happen and I'm sure that they wouldn't have wanted to say that it was going to take eight weeks, you know, to kind of get it figured out, but right. it's just sometimes it's it is what it is and I do think we had seen there was progress there. After the Saints game, then you had the the bye week, which I think in some ways was bad timing for that in terms of right. getting that momentum going. So hopefully now they are back to that point where they're understanding themselves, they're understanding what they can be, some of these plays that they're making. Right. And I agree that I think you know you can't just have Mike and Chris being your guys because defenses will be able to take that right. away. Now that you're seeing what Rashad and Cade can bring to the table, that is going to make it so much harder for defenses to do what they want to do, right? right? That who do you double? Who do you focus on? Mm-hmm. That you're going to have someone else being able to affect that. And I, I had Brad Edzik, our wide receiver coach, on my radio show this week, and he said that for them, he's like, man, you know, they'll be going down like these go routes, trying to take the top off of the defense. And when Rashad gets the dump off that then ends up going for 33 Mm -hmm. yards, he's like, our guys love that because now they know, man, that defense is going to have to be kept honest the exact way they would have been if it had been a run play. So whether it's Rashad getting it going in the run game, which again, I'm sure they would still love to see moving forward, but if not, and if it is just those, you know, the check downs that can be, you know, in that hole in the middle of the defense, Mm -hmm. it's going to keep that defense honest the same way a run would. It's going to make them suck down just a little bit more and hopefully free up a Chris or a Mike or even again, a Cade down that route that both of those guys are helping Mike and Chris out. They're helping those guys out that with when all four of them are really clicking, Mm -hmm. 
defenses are just not going to be able to cover all four of them effectively. So again, we still want to see the run game do even more, but even in that area, I felt like it was Rashad's best game Mm -hmm. that, you know, I love when they show the camera angle from the end zone where you see Rashad's perspective, because it's always different from the side, right? When you see his perspective and there was a run in the fourth quarter where they handed it off to him and he just took that one little beat. And at first it looked like there was nowhere for him to go. And then Props to our offensive line. They opened one of the widest holes I've seen in a minute, (laughs) just parting of the Red Sea, and Rashad hit it immediately. Mm -hmm. And it was that perfect combination of patience, but then also attacking and hitting the hole as soon as it developed. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you hear so often talking about a running back of, oh, they need to, you know, run vertical more often. They need to go downhill. They need to hit that target. And then you'll hear, oh, they need to be patient and have the vision. And that can be hard sometimes of marrying the two. Yeah. Like, when do you do each of those things? When's the right timing? And I felt like we saw Rashad do both of Mm -hmm. those um, in Sunday's game. So I really felt like it was encouraging for him as well. And then again, Mike Evans, yeah, hitting over 11,000 yards, which just is an insane number. Yeah. Every week there's a number of either Mike's touchdowns or his yardage that blows my mind. Um, and heck, I mean, that game even, he could have had an even bigger one. We got that one called back on offensive pass interference that would have been another 40-yard gain for him. And I just think we're starting to see more of those you know, long balls, deep plays mm-hmm. starting to click Open up, for the yeah. two of them, which is great. Um, and then Baker under pressure. I just love it. Whether you mean pass rush pressure, whether you mean key moments in game pressure, he's good under all of it. That he is just cool under pressure. That um, just I stole this stat from Scott Smith. I'm just putting that out there. Uh, I'm just (laughs) unabashedly stealing this from him. He said it on our insider show the other day. And um, he talked about how, in case people don't know, so there's expected points added. This is a stat that even if you don't understand how it's calculated, I'll be honest, I don't really understand how it's made either. I just trust the people that make the stats. And it essentially means expected points over what you would expect on a play, like how many more points added of just expected on a play. So quarterbacks are always going to be better at this not under pressure than under pressure, right? Your numbers are always going to be higher. Baker is the only quarterback in the entire NFL who has a positive number in that stat under pressure that he still has more expected points added under pressure. He's the only quarterback with a positive EPA under pressure, which I think is amazing. And then also, again, at the end of the game, leading what we thought at the time was going to be a game-winning drive. Mm -hmm. And to see his poise, even when certain things weren't going right. I mean, I think about how Trey Palmer fumbles it, and we think that's the end. And there were just so many things that went on on this drive Mm -hmm. that could have rattled you and just – Calm, cool, collected under pressure, right. extending plays, doing his thing. So, um, yeah, I thought that was really encouraging. How about defensively, the one that will be a little less yes. fun to break down here? Yes. Well, I think, obviously, the most glaring thing was the secondary, you know, gave up nine pass plays of over 20 yards. Not something you ever want to do. Obviously, gave up 470 yards to C.J. Stroud, which was the most yards by a rookie quarterback in NFL history. Five touchdowns. Um, they played a lot of zone coverage in – the Texans were kind of able to exploit that against the Bucks' use of cover two with Dalton Schultz, with Noah Brown, kind of over the short to intermediate area of the field, getting those yards after catch. Um, so I think really this week something big for this team is going to be being disciplined in your one fits, finishing tackles, um, and taking corrective angles, going up against a guy like Derrick Henry. But also, you know, as as Todd Bold said, the – the fundamentals, the breakdowns, the technique at the end of the game, it has to be better. But also, pass rush, coverage, they go hand in hand. When one maybe is working great, the other one not so much. So they were able to get three sacks on C.J. Stroud. You know, Kalijah Kansi got in there, um, had a big game. But 
overall the consistent pressure because they didn't blitz a whole lot against the Texans and they weren't able to get that consistent collapsing of the pocket from that front four. So I think you want to see the strides kind of moving forward there. But a lot of accountability this week all across the board, coaches, players. Um, So I think now it's, as Larry Foote said, how do you respond? You know, you didn't have a great game. You're seeing what people are saying about you externally. Now it's time to get that bitter taste out of the Mm -hmm. mouth and go out this week and have a big game against the Titans. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I think that the secondary, I I have to give them a lot of credit. I mean, I saw, you know, guys like Carlton Davis face the media, face the music. Very, Mm -hmm. again, like you said, accountability, open, honest, which is great. Um, It is tough to just watch that you know the talent that this group has you know, the talent that Bowles has in calling defenses and just seeing what they can get cleaned up this week in terms of especially knowing they need a few more interceptions in their right. in their pocket yeah. from these from these defensive backs. Now, we did see D Delaney start getting some more playing time for Ryan Neal, mm-hmm. and it looked like basically Ryan Neal was playing a lot of the first and second downs, and which would be maybe a little bit more of a chance of a run play. Then when it seemed a bit more of an obvious passing down, you get D Delaney thrown in there, and it seemed like it started to be little bit more and more as the game went on so right. was that a thing we were just trying that game because of what was going on will it be something we see this Sunday will it be him in there completely sometimes not at all it'll be interesting to see what uh based on what they saw on film this last game they decide to do with those positions because D is one of the guys that does have a couple interceptions right and we've seen that he is a bit of a ball hawk of per snap he's played the guy's gotten a lot of interceptions um i remember saying this about mike edwards when he was here before that he was our when you put in your interception package that that was <laughs> i felt like that was who you should put in for for that one um but yeah i think that the good news was you did you did bring up Kalijah Cancy, got another sack um and also had three tackles for loss which mm-hmm. is the most by any bucks rookie since vita in 2018 not Love a bad person to be compared to <laughs> right. as a rookie. And now again, having the two of them there next to each other is so great because they bring different things to the table. They're going to challenge offensive lines yeah. in different ways. Um, so I thought that was a really great thing to see as well. Um, all right. So now let's get into our injury report for this week a little bit. Yes. So, and obviously we're filming this on Friday morning. So haven't gotten the Friday listings mm-hmm. yet of who's questionable, who's out. Carlton Davis still didn't participate in practice on Thursday with the toe injury. Um, Clyde Cancy was a new addition to the injury we list. We don't want new additions. Yes, we want people being removed. Quad injury. He was a limited participant on Thursday, and then Jamel Dean still in concussion protocol. He upgraded to limited, so I think that was a positive sign. And then Trey Palmer, who was on the list on Wednesday with a neck injury, had a new little illness designation pop up on Thursday, a and rough he week. yes, and he wasn't on participants. Yeah. So. Man, all right, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, and then the, on the, the list was very long this week. It was, which is, I mean, once you get to the middle of the season, yeah. that's just always how it's going to be. So, um, yeah, that'll be interesting to see who, again, we're shooting this Friday morning, so Friday afternoon is when the one comes out yeah. that says things like out, questionable, gives mm-hmm. a little bit more clarity on that. Um, from the Titans' side, there's a potential they might not have Traylon Burks or Sean Murphy Bunting. Bucks fans definitely recognize that second name, used to play here. Uh, so those are ones to keep an eye on on their side. Let's get into our one-on-one matchups now that we're excited to to watch. Tell me what you yes. got. So I went with Cody Malk against Jeffrey Simmons. And then really the entirety of the Bucks secondary against DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, you're cheating a little on the whole one-on-one idea, but I'll give it to you. Totally. I'll totally. give it to you because I think but you're right. I my think with the second one is that he <laughs> that it's not he just travels. one person. Yes, he yeah. travels so much. 
So probably as opposed to putting having one guy shadow, especially with kind of Carlton Davis and Jamal Deeming a question yeah. mark. Um, really, he's probably going to have to see everybody. So, yeah. but with Cody Mauk and with Jeffrey Simmons, I mean, Jeffrey Simmons is just a guy that doesn't really get as much of the chatter as he probably should around the league. You know, you hear a lot about the Grady Jarrett's and the Aaron Donald's and, and all of those names, but I mean, right now he had 21 pressures through the first five games of the 2023 season, which is only second to Aaron Donald and Jalen Carter. He's playing great, has the just the 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 power and really just the athleticism, you know, is able to kind of move laterally, track runners, get them down, but also just routinely splits double teams. Um, and kind of the the stutter step bull rush has become kind of in vogue, popular move, and he's Probably there's no one better in the league at it than Jeffrey Simmons. And Cody Mox played um, kind of with that tenacious competitive fire that the Bucks coaching staff like started as a rookie at right guard. Um, and again, he just kind of has that athleticism for drive blocks. Um, so I think that'll be an interesting matchup to see really just kind of the interior of the Bucks offensive line against Jeffrey Simmons. And then with DeAndre Hopkins, man. I mean, this is a guy that's had the consistency, the longevity. He's still playing incredible. And I swear, there's glue in his <laughs> gloves or something. Yeah. I mean, he is like a magnet to the ball, yeah. incredible ball skills, um, just has the the smoothness in and out of his breaks, um, just has the, the yards after catch ability, is able to extend kind of catch balls outside of his frame, um, and has that body control, can just make these outlandish acrobatic grabs. So to see how the the Bucks secondary is able to respond after last week against some of their pass catchers, I think is gonna be is gonna be crucial this week. Yeah, it's interesting to talk about the idea of Carlton and Jamel both being on the injury report right. when you're about to face him. And does that change how Bowles schemes it yeah. up? I mean, even if they're both available to play, are they at 100%. And maybe yeah. this is a game where you would have had Carlton just tracking Hopkins yeah. wherever he is. And I know how much Carlton loves those games. Yes. Yeah, he loves when he gets to go against the top guys and it's just him versus mm -hmm. the one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. Like, he thrives under that. We've heard, you know, the interview this last week that Jamar Chase gave saying that Carlton Davis was the best DB he's gone against. That those kind of receivers, those kind of games – really yeah, elevate Carlton to a right. whole other level. Yeah. I mean, that's, if you're an outside corner, that's your thing, that's, right? That's yes. your bread and butter is you want to show, put me on an Island with this guy. Yeah. And so I, I hope that Carlton is in the kind of physical condition that whenever they want him to kind of track Hopkins, that he feels like physically he's able to do that. Cause I think that would be fun to watch. And I think it would be the perfect get right thing for him to feel like mm -hmm. going against one of the best rise to the challenge, get last week out of your, you know, out of your mind. Mm -hmm. um, but if Carlton and Jamel both either are not their full selves, it might completely change how Bulls has to dial things up right. on that defense. And then what else does that influence, which is going to be interesting. Um, so I went uh, for my one-on-one -on -one, Vita versus Derrick Henry. Ooh. So, and I really, again, felt like I could have the same way you did the entire secondary against yeah. DeAndre Hopkins. I could have said the whole dang defense against yeah. Derrick Henry. Um, I mean, the man is not human. It's just. Dude, he's a freight train. Yeah. A it's, thousand percent. I've brought it up a couple of times this week where I remember the first time we did joint practices with them a few years ago. And it was for a lot of us, our first time seeing him in person and not just in person, but we were down on the field and he yeah. walked by us and I watched how 
everyone's face did the same thing of like, like we know yeah <laughs> like we know he's big we've seen the stats we've seen his height weight all that stuff until you are down there all of us were like that's that's a defensive end yes it's not a yes, running back massive. that's like you if you didn't know who he was you would assume yeah, my guess would not have been right. and all I can say is that if I were playing defense against him I would be making business decisions but yeah. thankfully our defense is not me and they yeah. are far more excited about this challenge um I've heard a, be, yeah. a lot of the coaches and everyone just talking about the fact that that's why I say I I picked Vita but it really is our whole defense because they've talked about this is a situation where you are gang tackling you are bringing every hat to the party that you can in this situation. Yep. You don't want it to be where you're asking anyone yeah. to by themselves bring him down. Vita is a guy I trust to still win that one-on-one yes. matchup against him. Um, and if Vita can at least already bring one hit to him, even if it's not the final hit, right. to get that started around the line of scrimmage, because you let him get out in space. We've seen the stiff arms. We've seen, right. your, to your point, freight train. You don't want to let him get that momentum going. I'm going to nerd out for a minute with this reference that you're going to just really um, make fun of me for. Any of my X-Men fans out there, uh, that there is one X-Men <laughs> character. That's so coming. I know. I know you didn't. <laughs> thought we were going to get like Remember the Titans I know. No, nope, nerding. Just having a nerd moment in X-Men where there's the character <laughs> that if he gets speed going, that he can run through anything, that he just goes right through walls. Like, And so the whole idea oh, yeah, is you can't let yes. him build up the speed. <laughs> That's him. So for all my fellow yeah. nerds out there, for everyone else, ignore that that I uh, that I just made that reference. Um, my other one on one, I picked Mike. I just I think that this is another game where we saw him have some of those big breakout plays this last week. And the same way that our offense seems like it's starting to move, mm-hmm. that as our offense moves, as Rashad becomes more, as you start keeping those defenses more honest, I see this being the game where you get a couple really big. Mike Evans plays. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the Titans have created the fewest turnovers in the league. Uh, they only have two interceptions on the year. They have the fourth lowest pressure rate. So theoretically, wow. you can keep the ball safe, you can protect Baker, and they also allow the seventh highest completion percentage. So to me, that recipe feels like if you're able to protect Baker, give him more time, give Mike time to get downfield, mm-hmm. and they're not really people that are creating a bunch of interceptions, turnovers, pressures, all of that. That to me sounds like a recipe for Baker and Mike to right. really connect. Um, all right, position group you are excited to watch. I'm going to go with Rashad White and the running backs. And then I basically just did the exact same thing that you did. And I did the Bucks defensive line. Yep. Mm-hmm. But for Rashad White, the Titans have really struggled in stopping the run. You know, they're they're ranked 19th in rush defense. They're allowing 114 yards on average per game to opposing teams. So I think I'm excited, especially considering the strides that the run game was able to make against the Texans, kind of how they're able to continue that momentum with Rashad White. And I think you saw a little bit of the the mid zone and what they were able to do with those concepts early on and also the kind of getting the push with the combo blocks um, and kind of just an extension of that this week and seeing how they're able to run the football against this team that's really struggling. And he's a guy that you know, has that slash style. He's able to quickly get north and south on the perimeter. Um, But also every time he lines up, you know, defenses are questioning, where is he going to go? Is he running up the middle? Is he taking it on a screen? You know, is it more of a pass catching situation? So you have those question marks. Um, So I'm excited to see what he's able to do. And then with the defensive line, just are they able to get more consistent pressure on Will Levis, force him to make mistakes 
make them one-dimensional, will stop the run. Um, and I think that's all going to start with the trenches and kind of getting that push, like you mentioned, not letting Derrick Henry get to the second, third level. Um, they are in the games, the three games that they've won, Derrick Henry has had 20-plus attempts. And I don't think that is a coincidence. You know, that is what their their offense is predicated on. So I think winning the battle in the trenches this week is going to be really critical and kind of determining the way that this game goes. Yep. I uh, ha- I retweet all of what you just said. That was what I had to. So <laughs> running back, yep, you nailed it with the Rashad part. Um, so, yeah, defensive line, I kind of did defensive line slash outside linebackers for similar reasons. So, I mean, we talked about the Derrick Henry part of it, right? So that's obviously key. Mm-hmm. Um, but same thing, pressuring your rookie quarterback, um, also, the Titans have some some O line issues. They've got some they've got some things going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so their tackle Chris Hubbard uh, is coming through the concussion protocol. So not sure at this point if he's going to be cleared or not. Uh, their other tackle Petit Frere uh, likely out the rest of the season, and um, he had already replaced their original starter Andre Dillard, who surrendered an NFL high eight sacks and thirty four pressured. Their line is tied for fifth most sacks allowed in the league. That wow. to me. If I am in the defensive line, especially that outside linebacker group where you talked about that they've coaches said they've talked about the fact that, hey, we're not getting the kind of pressure we need. Right. That to me sounds like a recipe mm-hmm. for them to be like, let's go. Right. We have a rookie quarterback back there. We've got an offensive line that has had to shuffle and injuries and allowed a lot of sacks. Like I am pinning my ears back and I'm going if I were them. Now, the mm-hmm. interesting thing will be we know Bowles loves to dial up blitzes. Yes. If he is not doing that, it is because there's a reason, mm-hmm. right? That there is a reason he does not think that that's the right call for a defense. Right. So what I think will be interesting to see is, based on those numbers, to me it seems like that's a game where you're dialing up not only your normal defensive line, outside linebacker, but Antoine Winfield is coming. Right. Devin White is coming. You know, you're, you're doing all sorts of creative things, especially to disguise stuff to throw mm-hmm. a rookie quarterback off. But when you're, your secondary had a – not a great game the last week, and then now they're banged up. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you can send everybody, or are you needing to leave more people back there? Are you leading to be needing to be in a little bit safer right. type of scheme? And so I think that's going to be an interesting thing to see what Bulls feels like he has the option to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so therefore, if you can get pressure and push from your just typical front seven without having to call in all these other reinforcements to get the pressure without, you know, if you can get home with four Mm -hmm. at all, that's going to be so helpful trying to get your secondary in a better position against a DeAndre Hopkins. Mm -hmm. Um, All right. So keys to the game. What do you got? We've we've talked about this a little bit, but uh, stopping the run. Yep. And that, that sounds so easy and just comprehensive. And it's basically a key to every game. Yeah. But with a guy like, Derrick Henry, he creates so many matchups problems. And I love this quote from Todd Bowles this week, but he just straight up said, full transparency, he's bigger than your outside linebackers, he's bigger than your inside linebackers, and he's bigger than your DBs. So, I mean, he creates so many problems, but also if you stack the box to try and stop a guy like Derrick Henry, who just is an absolute bulldozer, well, then they can beat you with DeAndre Hopkins yep. over the top. Yep. So it's how do you try and, and if you bring that safety down into the box, well, then that creates opportunities for them down the field. So for the Bucks to be able to, because if you get Derrick Henry in space, he punishes guys at the second and third level, just has that, that forward lean, just pushes people. I mean, you have to bring 
three to four to five guys to gang tackle him or it's not going to go well for you. Mm -hmm. Um, So are they flying to the football? Are they able to get him down? But also once he gets in space, I think a lot of people given his size are just shocked at how fast he is. I mean, he has that straight line speed. One of those people shocked. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I mean, the way that he's able to, I mean, you see him run for like 75 yards. He just absolutely bypasses this guy um, who would be considered to be someone that's faster and more agile um, than a man of, you know, straight up mammoth. So I think that's going to be huge in this game is how they're able to, to limit him and kind of force them to go through the air. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah, stopping Derrick Henry. That's the thing. That's the mm-hmm. whole that's, that's the, the key, whole thing. Yeah. Um, we did have nine tackles for loss last game, which is the most we've had in almost two years. That gave me a lot of confidence in the kind of push we're getting. Right. Because you need right to get there at the down. line. Yeah, yes. you gotta do this soon. So that's definitely it's like the thing. Um, and then I do think again, the turnover margin has just been so important for us and I think that seeing that they're not a team that forces very many right if this can be a game where we force a few that that's going to be really important and I, I thought this was an interesting stat we have the least points allowed off turnovers in the league with six hmm. that we have only given up six points off of us turning the ball over which is twofold one we haven't turned it over a whole lot And then two, our defense has done an incredible job when we have of holding them to only three points, two different times and nothing else, which is, which is really big. And we have the fewest giveaways in the NFC. We've done a really good job of protecting the ball. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's been a huge part of even these games like Buffalo, like Houston, where a lot went wrong. Wrong. You're still in it. it. If you don't give the ball away you can still be in it. And then especially if you're taking the ball away, that goes so far. Mm -hmm. And again, I keep harping on the fact that you got a rookie quarterback back there. Obviously that did not matter against CJ Stroud, but that's not a guy playing like a rookie by any means. Um, So can you play this guy more like you would a typical rookie quarterback, Mm -hmm. get him flustered, get him flushed out, get him making some bad decisions. Um, All right. So now it is time for our quote of the week. We always share from either a player or a coach, something that stood out to us. What do you have? So I have, I hope you didn't pick the same one. Nope. I just stopped picking Dave Canales because I know how much you love quoting Dave Canales. So I just went somewhere else. And me and Scott Smith are the right, we laugh during his press conferences because it's so much good knowledge, but they're such long quotes and you're trying to tweet like so snippets. Like, there's, there's no point <laughs> tweeting any tidbits yeah. because everything is so long and good that it's like, no, I'm just going to wait until it takes a whole thread. The quote, yes. Yeah. 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 But this was a quote that Dave Canales had on the physicality of this team and the offense. And I, I just love this. It's a little long, but he said, I would say again that we are exactly where I want them to be right now. I would say that since the Buffalo game, I can't come up here and tell you we're getting the 150-yard rushing day results. But what I am seeing is running backs running harder, offensive linemen finishing the blocks and using their hands the whole time, tight ends chopping on the backside and on the front side. The receivers, even Trey Palmer and some of his holdings, are really aggressive penalties. We're heading in the right direction, but I think until people regard us as a physical unit – That is the litmus test. Are we making them play heavier loaded boxes? We saw a little bit more of that balance in the Houston game as the run game got going. We started seeing a little bit more safety down. We were able to take advantage of some shots down the field. There were a couple to Mike Evans and some others that were near misses. 
But yes, I would love to keep trending in that direction and make that to be a part of our personality of how we play. And I, I loved that. And again, just his, the transparency of we're not quite there. We aren't that status of being that physical, pin their ears back, smash mouth football where people have to allocate resources down in the box because of the Bucks run game. We're not there yet, but you're seeing the development every single week and you're seeing the blocks made. You're seeing Rashad White hit the holes and you're seeing the strides that, that you want to eventually get to. Yeah, I think that's really good. I like that one. Um, I got one. I did two different ones because they were both a, a little bit about Cade, and that's what I really wanted to focus on, mm -hmm. just knowing that we talked about how great a game it was. We, right. I don't think we even mentioned that it was his first multi-touchdown game of his career, which is very yeah. exciting. Um, so Coach Bowles uh, was asked about Cade, and he said, Cade is our steady Eddie, which I really liked. Uh. I also found out, um, I've had a couple different people tell me this on the different radio shows that the Titans call themselves the old rusty trucks. I, I loved this. <laughs> I thought this was great that this is what they refer to themselves that as is such an because they're like, look, we're not the flashy sports car. We're not the Mike Evans of the group. We're not the whatever, but you are going to need a dependable truck at times that when you just need oh, to move yes. things, when you need to get somewhere, you need a dependable old trucks absolutely very insightful and so they just they love the idea of like you know what we're not the flashy ones but we get things done and you need us we show right. up i'm liking the stashes oh yeah that you also know, if you didn't see the kate otten's got a yeah phenomenal full, mustache yeah. they wore cowboy hats to the game i asked phenomenal stash. i asked Cade if he felt like the mustache contributed to his multi-touchdown game he was like I mean, <laughs> I mean, he was like, maybe Baker saw it and just, saying, but I'm saying. he said Baker was just drawn to it to throw the ball to it. I thought that was pretty funny. So anyways, the rest of Todd Bowles quote, uh, Kate is our steady Eddie. I've said all along, he's one of the most underrated players we have. You look up at the end of the day, he does everything. He has outstanding hands. He has a great feel for the game. He may not be the most athletic or the biggest or the strongest, but he's the most complete and the most solid guy. He does a lot of things well for us. You saw that last week. Um, and then talking about the idea of getting Cade in some one-on-one -on -one situations. I, I lied. This is a coach canals quote, but I knew you weren't picking this one. <laughs> this is coach canals. He said, um, talking about getting him in some one-on-one -on -one things. He said, those are the things I've been hoping would happen as teams divert their attention to where Chris and Mike are at to allow these other guys to make plays for us. Of course, Baker is learning how to connect with them. That came to life for us pretty well in this game. So mm -hmm. I thought that those were both really interesting quotes of just how they view Cade of, and Coach Bowles has said many times, like, man, he's just one of the most underrated guys on this team. And if you look yes. especially at snap counts, that guy is playing either literally 100% of the snaps Scott's, yeah, Scott's or like 98 or 9% snap yeah. against the Texans. He sometimes sits out like two snaps. Yeah. And otherwise it's like he's in there the whole he's, game. He's blocking. He's doing he's great. So yeah. props to him. All right. And then we close, as always, with our little uh, human interest off-field piece, something about the guys that's interesting. This one, I'm not even going to lie, is just a total shameless plug. If you have not heard, um, we did our Bucks Total Access show on Monday, and that's where Ali Marpet and I have a show with a different player every week. We had Yaya Diaby on this week. Oh. Just a gem. He, yeah, is he is phenomenal. What a great guy. So my human interest part kind of came from some of the things that we talked about on that show. Um, so his parents are from Guinea, which is in West Africa. And I was like, wow. so how much did they know about football? And he was like, not, not a whole lot. And he's like, really they're good. still, they're still kind of figuring 
some things, things out. out. And he talked about mainly his mom uh, just gets concerned for everybody's safety. <laughs> then she just, people get tackled and she's like, oh no, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, so he worked at the airport, but he didn't get any offers for major schools out of high school. Ended up having to go to a JUCO that was a military mm-hmm. JUCO where he said immediately upon oh, wow. getting there, they made him shave his head and he was devastated, <laughs> which I thought was very funny. So like he had the full yeah. on military like short JUCO cut, experience yeah. and they're making them get up early and do all these different Ooh, drills yeah. and things on top of it um, before he finally um, went on to Louisville. But yeah, he worked at the airport to be able to bridge the gap of what he needed to do. He was the guy that pushed people on wheelchairs onto mm-hmm. the plane. And he just said that he really loved the idea that he was helping people and tried to bring like a lot of positivity and joy to this mm-hmm. role because typically it meant people weren't having their best days, their best times, things were difficult. Yeah. And um, it was just such an indicator to me of who he is as a person and as a player and as a teammate right. and a guy you want in the locker room that he's like, yeah, like that's just how I view it is, you know, from where my parents were from, from my background, I don't take anything for granted. I want to just bring positivity. I want to bring goodness and joy. And he really has a smile on his yeah. face all the time. I'm just very excited about the future of right. Yaya here. Yeah. And I think he could be just such a great asset on and off the field. So, um, all right, that is going to do it for us on this edition of Tampa 2. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next time.